The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess. All you have to do is add hot water wherever you go. Each steep pack is individually sealed. It's nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh. And it's got this special full immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue or no staples. So there's no weird stuff floating around your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on steeped coffee packs at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying steeped or having your favorite roastery reach out and kind of get in touch. If you're in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry, make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank How's you. day Two weeks six off. of coffee? Day five. Five, okay. Day no five. Coffee. No coffee. No caffeine at all. Right. I so, guess more specifically, no caffeine. There's no tea. There's no chocolate. There's no aspirin. Does just aspirin just have to say yeah, just, no, no yeah, ibuprofen I've been either. drinking mint tea and chamomile mm-hmm. tea. Mm-hmm. Dude, honestly, better than I thought. Yeah. It wasn't super... Well, I've had... Two days are probably rough. Headache has been on and off. Okay. But the the biggest thing has been more ability to focus for long periods of time has been kind of out the window. So my my work days have been a little bit more scattered. So I'd like open up my computer, stare at a program for 45 seconds, and then not do anything. Right. And be like, wait, what was I doing? Okay, cool. Going back in, starting over again, opening up another program, and that was kind of my my loop. And then the first two or three days specifically, I was super grumpy. Uh, yeah. Like really sense. snappy. Yeah. Like I was snapping at Jenny and I was just snap like I told everybody at work though. I told I was like, Carol, plant ahead. Like, I'm gonna be off caffeine, so I might do something stupid. So yeah. But Have a little o- grace on your boy. Overall, it's been fine. The thing I miss the most thus far is the ritual of coffee. Sure. Because nothing replaces the feeling of it outside of the caffeine. Like, even before you drink it, like mm-hmm. sitting with a cup of coffee in front of you. Yeah. And it feels it nice. It feels so good. There's something magical about it. The way, the way it sits in the cup. I don't know. It's like this weird mystical thing that I can't even explain. I think it's a toe. I fully hear you on that one. The other part, I think it's interesting to know that science behind your brain, like actually kind of adapting to it and actually physically changing to the use of caffeine and like your cognition going up or down and, and then needing to kind of heal for lack of a better term and like rewire itself to not need it to be its optimized self. Yeah. It's super weird. And that's intense. And the headaches, fun fact, caffeine causes the, like your blood vessels in your brain to kind of tighten up. Yeah. Or in your head to tighten up. And then when you go off caffeine, they expand really rapidly. So you get that's where the headaches come from. Freaking basal dilation, Which dude. is kind of intense. I was going to pull up, just because we haven't given any shout-outs recently, for those who have subscribed, rated, and reviewed, just a quick shout-out oh, you want to do some uh, fun well, time, happy times? I mean, a little bit. Yeah, because, let's kick you it. know, it's like one of those things where I'm like, yeah, man, for sure. This will be a really listener-focused episode because I have a bunch of questions from people. Wow. So recently... Um, Zyla Thebe gave us some love. It's so like I'm a xylophone, but yeah, it's dude, different. all one word. Thank you, Zyla, for that. KRS six gave <laughs> us one. KRS six. I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping that's maybe TV. Richard Mack, thank you for the love. 
B. Duckert. That's an awesome time. Thanks. R-E-T, Serb 52. You heard it here. Nate Snipes. Those are some. Nate Snipes. Nate dude, that's Snipes, a good dude. name. And Ash Wolf. Thank Ash you for, Wolf. Thank you for all the love, people of the world. I just, I, I promised that we'd shout some folks out. And so I'm doing that. I'm also going to shout out uh, Rosalind Coffee and the, for launching the whole the whole thing over there in London. They're going hard. Yeah. So they they kind of did some solidarity on this Caterpillar thing and got 11 different cafes across London. You can check Cat and Cloud, my story, Chris's story, to kind of get like a brief overview. Go see them on Instagram. But 11 cafes across London greater area all serve and are serving cat and cloud for a brief period of time in order to raise awareness around this caterpillar shenanigans which i felt was very awesome and we did not ask for this they just decided to do it and pretty amazing so thank you to all the people over there from doing that and just all the support and i just there it's out from under us it's really cool it felt really good that's really good more cool that there was like a real collaboration of people and different cafes over there ready to kind of get behind a good cause and support a larger community when especially coffee not just cat and cloud so that was tight and other 200 businesses being you know tormented by the sounds kind of fun the pillar i think it's really fun yeah to be a part of a little community yeah and there was like a coffee crawl thing that some of them did and they went to all the cafes which is i think probably took like almost the whole day at that point Probably. I mean, can you imagine going to 11 cafes in one day? I would be so fucking hammered. Yeah, I wouldn't drink coffee at all of them, but I'd, even if I did, it'd take so long. <laughs> it takes so long. It would. In London, right. I think, you know. You do like, like an hour per cafe right. plus travel. So, yeah, you'd be out there. 15-hour day. Yeah, going heavy. Anyway. You'd need a lot of beer. Yeah, you need, you need food. something. Beer, fo- water, food. Whiskey. Just a little sip. Should we go into questions? Yeah, I heard you. I heard you got collected some cues for us to a. I got a lot of questions, and I've filtered these down in a couple different ways. So, Carol and I have been working on redoing the website. It'll probably be another couple of months before it's ready to go, but Word. we're going to have more information on the website. So, there's going to be a funnel for some of these questions. So, the questions here on the podcast are more broad stroke. Like questions that could apply to, I think, everybody. And then when we get things going on the website, we'll have separate places for more focused questions. Some that are specifically coffee. Which yeah. We won't go into a ton of coffee-specific questions here. There's more kind of business questions. Um, so if you wrote in, I saved all your questions. Thank you so much. They're logged. They're here. But I just picked kind of uh, 10-ish, well, 8 or 10 that we're going to attack. So thanks, Sick. thanks for writing in. See how see if we can get through all these today. Uh, we'll start heavy. What does success feel like to you? Not sure I've achieved it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, success actually perpetuates more stress for me, but I think it's the kind of stress that is good. So what I mean when I say stress is that with success comes more opportunity and then also with success comes more responsibility. I'm basically Spider-Man. <laughs> Peter Parker did. You know, but what happens is this. You have success is not determinant on me alone or Chris alone or Charles alone and therefore we have achieved some success, but in order for us to achieve the kind of success, I think that's really powerful and meaningful, even though we already kind of are in that vein, the kind that I'd like to have requires us to be really amazing on a lot of different levels. And that is stressful because it highlights all the areas of growth that we need. I need to hit 
and the areas of opportunity for communication and alignment and synergy and all these things, they need to become forefront and there's a lot of problem solving into doing a good job there. So success feels like work all the time and that's (laughs) good. And it also feels like a great opportunity to practice slowing down and being grateful that it's even working at all. And that's a countercultural thing to do. Yeah, when I think about success, I, for me personally, because when I first read this question, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what success feels like. But if I'm looking at it from my point of view, success for me feels like spending as much of my time as possible doing things that give me energy and getting rid of the things that don't give me any energy. And that's like not success in the traditional sense, but I think if you can cultivate a life where more often than not, you're doing things that you love, that's really rad. You're for sure going to have to do some things that you don't love. Success for an organization, man, that, that, can, that can mean all kinds of things. And one thing that's really common with is with any form of success comes some form of notoriety. And then the challenge that a lot of businesses have is that you have eyes on. Whereas if you're early in your career, no one's really looking at you, you can experiment more freely. You could, you well, you think you can experiment more freely. Like, um, you can try something, it doesn't work out. Cool, you did an experiment, nobody cares, nobody even sees it. You try something else, cool, it doesn't work out, nobody even sees it. <clears throat> Once you are thrust into this quote unquote successful arena where people are looking at you, then you get a lot of pressure because all of your experiments are on public display. You try something, you screw up, and it's not that people are necessarily looking at you more closely. It's that you feel like they're looking at you more closely. Yeah. Like most people probably aren't going to notice the little hiccups that you have, but for you and you know, you're like, Oh my gosh, I got like X many millions of YouTube followers, or I got as many people who watch the podcast and these people look at the business. And it has kept a lot of businesses that I've seen from doing what they should do, which is, following whatever greater purpose they have, greater Mm. mission has led people to abandon the mission in terms of basically becoming extraordinarily ordinary. Right. In order to like piss off the least amount of people as possible. So feel you. That's not what success looks like to me, but that's something that I see a lot of people do. And, And I would encourage everybody who who is having some form of success whatever that is, is to no matter how successful you get, don't forget why you're doing what you're doing. And it's probably not to make everyone happy. Right. It's probably to make a group of people happy that really resonate with what you do, with what your purpose is. And there are going to be some people who don't like what you do. And success doesn't mean being the most popular business ever. Right. I think... Your success is going to greatly depend on the intentions you set and keep. And then I agree being able to go back and and actually be aware of the things that you do that seem to resonate with the biggest group of people in the way, in the same way that they're meaningful to you. So if there's something that you do that's really meaningful to you and you're getting a big reaction out of it and you leave that behind, you're missing, you're blowing it. You know, you have to be able to stay connected to some of those things and figuring out what that is and then setting the intentions to make sure that that's a big part or part of what's happening in the day-to-day forever until there's more of those things and more of those people doing those things, then then, then you're going to, you know, you got to set those things up and pay, pay attention. 
Yeah, and I would say the success of a business depends more upon its ability to impact the people that it's serving than how many stores it has or how much money it generates or how many stock options, you know, like, is it fucking NASDAQ firing or whatever? Right. And the people you're serving include the people that work with and for you, so don't forget them. For sure. Cool. For sure. Um, Hope that's a semi-sufficient answer because that's what you're getting today there. Does Cat and Cloud have a policy when it comes to music? Who picks the shop tunes? We're actually... We don't have a terribly specific policy. However, comma, we are working towards some like multiple long long format, basically huge playlists. So we have been looser than I think I would appreciate. <laughs> but it hasn't come at like an extreme cost, so it hasn't been a priority. There's things that have been more important in the long play. However, Generally, it's like the music should be, you know, non-offensive for like a general scope and played at an appropriate volume and match the energy of the cafe. So if it's super busy and we're playing like slow classical music, very quiet, that's not going to work out. So we do things like that. Uh, what we're trying to essentially do is put together playlists that have monikers around the energy level and style versus making these like you know, music geek playlist, which we all like to do. And I used to love to do, but it's not really the best for the guest. Yeah. Music is music is marketing. So when you're trying to figure out what music you want to play, you're really sending a message about who this place is for. And there's a very different vibe that you would get from, you know, only playing Wu-Tang all day versus something like we do, which is like a a mashup of, of a lot of different, super eclectic eclectic and, And exactly what you said, it's non-offensive and, and people can generally vibe for it. Whereas I personally would love to have a coffee shop that played Wu-Tang and Hyro and all that stuff all what day. What we used to do. I don't think like Pleasure Point is going to love that as much as oh, there's so many different levels to it. You know, I mean, part of Pleasure Point does love it, and then part of it doesn't, but we're a community space that's not trying to there's only hit so one many, note. There's so many... It's fairly liberal here. It's super liberal. But there's also... People really are triggered by swearing. Oh, yeah. Because it's become like a pretty family-friendly town. It's become it's a really family-friendly town. A lot of strollers. A lot of, lot of mm-hmm. dogs. A lot, mm-hmm. lot, lot of that whole kit. But yeah, you know, think about who you want in your store, what experience you want them to have, and depending on what your play is, you might opt for... Metal, mm-hmm. yeah. If that's your jam, you know. Right. Uh, but just realize that everything you do sends that message. So music can be a limiting right factor. Yeah, Dep- you know, we're a young, fun company. Is basically like an overarching theme that seems to play out in our music. I would say our music is generally fun, focused, and crazy eclectic. Yeah, that's it, probably the best way to explain it makes, our sit. Makes most people feel comfortable. Yeah, actually, I, Rachel today did a great job in the morning. We were, and it wasn't even crazy music at all. But she came out into the dining area in the showroom, and she was the showroom. And she was like, "Hey, would it is the music too loud for you all? Like, would you like me to bring down the volume out here? Would that be helpful?" And everybody's like, "No, we're good." But you could always try that if you had a question about how your music game's going. Yeah. <laughs> you just go ask some guests. And there are times when you would want to 
maybe exclude the masses, depending on your business. So let's say I'm on Fairfax in LA and I went into the 100 store or Supreme or something like that, and they're playing Owl City. Oh, my god! And I'm like, this fucking makes no sense. Right. Like, what... What is this? That store that store is not supposed to be unoffensive. It's it's supposed to like gather a certain yeah a certain clientele, and if if you, there's dissonance there between the brand and the music, you're like I don't under what, I feel it'll feel weird. Yeah, I feel strange. Feel real weird. Oh, I don't know. Um, next question. I'm also feeling the uh, anti caffeine effects right now for nice. everybody. So if I feel a little slow, mm. I am. How do you personally find inspiration and happiness when you feel like you're stuck in a rut? That's a great one. I ask people who are more experienced than me all the time about <laughs> this one. I think f- f- the best thing that you can do, I'm just going to make this a blanket statement, not just for me, but for everybody, is to do the work. Whatever you need to do, just do it. Freaking Nike? Or, and do it to the best of your ability at any given moment because the worst thing that you can do when you're stuck in a rut is just live in that rut be like oh right. my gosh I'm not inspired I'm not I don't really I don't I don't feel like it's the perfect time right now you know let's say you want to write a book sometimes writing's fun it's really in- inspiring you're inspired to write you got right. a lot of energy around you're like oh I can't wait I got this perfect idea I'm going to write this chapter blah 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 if you only write during the times when you're really inspired to write you are never going to finish that book. Yeah. Same thing with starting a business. If you only want to operate in your business or start your business, when it feels really cool to start that business, the business isn't going to happen. Right. It's not going to go well. You got to show up. You got to show up. Every you got to show up all the time. Seth Godin uses this really interesting analogy of, let's say you call a plumber over to your house. The plumber doesn't show up and look at your pipes and be like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm having a little bit of this plumber's block. I'm not sure if it's it's, not it's, it it's the right time. It's If you're a professional or you want to be seen as a professional in what you do, you have to do what professionals do, right. which, is, which is show up. You got to play the game. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, the other thing is, is when you show up, you'll actually start feeling better. It's You're perpetuating something. You're going to actually be proud of yourself for showing up when, you're, when it was hard or when you didn't feel like it. So... I, w- I would just go ahead and simply agree in the general sense because that is essentially the only thing that truly works. And then I'll add, you know, like meditative practices and things like that that are just good for your mental health on the side. But I think those are also something that you have to continue to show up for. So you're right, Chris. The overarching theme to all of these things is show up, continue to work towards the things even when you don't feel like it. And that's all you can do. And a lot of times that in and of itself, will pull you out of the loop. Right. Because you start your day. You know, let's say you get up at 5.30, and then you're looking towards the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If you're in the funk all day, don't do anything. If you can't break through, don't do the work. At the end of the day, you're going to feel even worse. Yeah, Because you still feel like shit, and you have accomplished nothing. Yeah. But if you can just kind of just do a couple things, like kind of push through at the end of the day doesn't mean you'll be magically cured but you'll have something to look at you're like hey i produced this yeah and that in and of itself feels good and will probably start to cycle going but you'll feel less less this like that the next day you'll feel less negative for sure yeah when you wake up in the morning you'll be like yeah okay i can i can do things right i think that pushing through things like that is a skill it's a muscle you know you have to you have to practice that but then like you're saying don't ignore Mental health obviously doesn't happen in a vacuum. So Exercise. take a little bit of inventory. Yeah, have you not worked out for right. a month? 
totally. Has it been a few weeks before you've gone for a nice walk or visited with your friends? Right, or, fun. You know, you posted something about, hey, things are cooler when they're fun. Like, Dude, there's so much science you, to those three things you just said. Well, yeah. I mean, you're smarter when you're happier. <laughs> <Yeah>. Literally. <laughs> so, so you got to perpetuate those things, and some of those things are formulaic steps and practices. People just don't like to have formulaic steps and practices and have overly structured lives at times. And then you do it, and the results are there. And it's funny because, I mean, you could ask. Everybody's struggling with the same problem, so you're not alone, for one. Everybody. You can ask every single person. There's that famous Jim Carrey quote where he wished everybody could get famous so they'd know that it doesn't make you happy at all. And, however, we're all searching for fame. So (laughs) it's like there's other things at play that answer this question and unfortunately they're probably more simple than we wish they would be another thing that just came to mind is whatever you're trying to do make sure that you're doing it for you right and that's a little caveat in this digital world it's so easy to go down paths of doing things because we think that's what the cultural norm is or we think that's what other people want to see I've done that a lot before, and that yeah. drains my energy like no other because I'm not actually living for me. I'm mm-hmm. living for everyone else, and that sucks. And then the same thing applies to not doing something because you think it's already been done or something of the sort. You still, if you have a dream and a thing that you're really passionate about, pursue doing it in terms, maybe it's a book. There's probably 100 books written in a similar genre. One day you could still write your book, and it'd still make you happy, and it still could have impact. Yep. So don't not do it just because somebody else has. Do it. Make it happen. There's your Nike. Okay, cool. What's your next question? I said we weren't going to talk about coffee, but we're a little bit coffee, but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we'll take a dive. What are your favorite two coffee companies outside of California? Ooh, outside of California. Uh, Grace Note in Boston has been one that I have had a great experience at, and I continue to go back to. And then I think the other one that comes to mind that I think I would visit every single time is Veef in Seattle. Well, and the La Marzocco Cafe too. But I think that's kind of a... La Marzocco Cafe is a shoe-in because I love La Marzocco as a company so much that it, even though the staff is independent of themselves, I, I would visit that cafe and love it They for, almost don't forever. even belong in that category because they're a whole different entity. Yeah. They're, and that's not to knock the staff there, by the way, because I know you as a staff work as a cafe staff. But, like, you guys, uh, by extension of that company and who you are and the culture there, kind of get almost... It's not, not a buy, but you're just, you already have my vote no matter what. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's almost unfair to put them in because they're going to do whatever they do 10 out of 10. That's yeah. just kind of fucking how they roll. Yeah. Grace Note and V for me, those are the two. Dude, Grace Note was awesome, right? Yeah. It was so good. All in. And the best... Maybe not the best part because the coffee was great. I love the surprise of it. Yeah, it w- I had no expectation. Yeah, people are like, "Oh yeah, check this place out. It's fine," and it was amazing. Yeah, it's one of my most memorable coffee experiences. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Big ballers. Um, oh, two coffee companies. Man, I really love what Luminous is doing in Vegas with the. Uh, limited drops of ceramic and coffee and their branding. They don't have a cafe per se, but they did the whole, their box, which changes all the time is like this modeled after this Chinese food takeout box, mm-hmm. full art. It's, it's just beautiful. Right. It, like the attention to detail that goes into the packaging and what they offer and curating everything. I really resonate with that. 
because it's it's really a boutique thing, you know. Oh, for sure. And they just kind of lean into that a lot. So I I find inspiration for that. One of the things that I think our our industry, the coffee industry, is really bad about doing is looking at other coffee shops for inspiration, which I rarely do. Most of my inspiration comes from outside of the coffee industry. Mm -hmm. Because if you're only looking in industry for things that you can use or ways to play forward, you're going to get stuck in this like gyroscope that brings you back to like the same place every time you're in this little cycle or like, cool, I really like that. I really like that. People are doing this. People are doing that. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gets a little stale. So my favorite, favorite companies outside of coffee, I really love Humidity Skate Shop in New Orleans. Mm. They are who they are. It's amazing. So you go on their website. You know how people have a shopping cart? Right. Their cart, most carts will say like items or cart. You put stuff in their cart and it says shit. Like, <laughs> nice. Oh, what kind of shit am I getting? Yeah. Like, this, this, is, my shit. this is shit. Yeah. <laughs> and their descriptions of their products are so funny. Like, they'll have, it's for people who are in the know of that culture. So they'll yeah. have a certain pair of shoes. They'll be like, these dope. <laughs> that's, that's it. it. That's the description. Or I just bought some cargos from them. And the description of the there's these ripstop cargo pants, the title is Not That Skinny Shit. <laughs> that's, that's it, dude. That's and pretty fun. It's pretty funny. And they they just own that all the time. They are who they are. And they're so active in the community over there. It's, it's like amazing what the dude who is just the sole owner he the shop existed and then he bought it. Him and his mom like leveraged their house, like took a, a loan out on their house to buy the shop and finally just paid it back. Whoa, crazy. Just for like the love of the shop. And that's pretty sick. He's pretty open on his interviews about how he works. He's like he's like, Man, the shop kinda it, it kills me sometimes. Cause he's a really good skateboarder too. Right. Like he, he's a pro skateboarder. He's like, My career would be way tighter if I didn't have the shop. I feel like the shop is something I have to do. Sometimes, I, sometimes I don't even want to do it, right? But I feel like it's a need, you know, for for the culture, and I, they make fun of themselves too. So they just added a sales section to their site, and they did this whole story, like Instagram posts about like cats crying, and it's like that moment you realize humidity has a sales section because that's like not really his jam, you know. He doesn't want to sell shit on sale, <laughs> but it's like. He's all these over ordered some shit. All these painful things. That yeah. happens, dude. That's fucking awesome. So I look up, I look up to that. And then I've been really into the hundreds lately, which has been a business that's kind of been on and off in my life for, for years and years and years. But they're a streetwear brand. Right. But they do so much writing. Like I love the way they have their I'm drawing a little inspiration from for how we're gonna do our site too, but they have a really awesome media team. So you can go on there and read articles that are from the hundreds. That is the collective from Bobby hundreds. Who's one of the owners, Ben, the other owner doesn't write that much, but it's just a, like a rotating commentary on streetwear and streetwear culture. Yeah. That goes really, really deep. They take political stances on things and just, I don't know. They own their viewpoint. I love right. It. So th- that's exciting to me. Brands, baby. Check him out if you want. He just, Bobby Hunter just wrote a book. This is not a t-shirt. Oh. I bought oh, it. Oh, that's that. I didn't read it yet, but. I see it over there. Commentary on culture. He's really into culture. It looks like a ninja book. It looks dude, like Wu-Tang's writing. Dude, it. yeah. It's gangster. It's straight from shallow. I was looking at it. Oh, here's a good one for you. Oh, Charles is, uh, we're looking at Charles' butt crack There's right Charles's now. Charles' buns Literally. right there. Charles is sagging right now, dude. He's we trying were, to get some streetwear at its we finest. Were, <laughs> 
if we were on the real internet, we'd have to censor that. We would have had to put a little pineapple over it. I have a problem with learning a ton, but not implementing what I learn. That's pretty, that's pretty classic. Uh, <laughs> that's a classic maneuver. Yeah, we're pretty good at that. I think that's pretty normal. Uh, how many of you can raise your hands, which is everybody, and say you like read a bunch of books and you felt inspired, but you didn't take any action after them? Probably a lot. Um, how do you do that? I think the important thing is to maybe, for me, it's been focusing on books that are I'm reading for an understanding of some form of implementation or to solve or work towards solving something that I need to solve or we need to solve as a company and then taking those ideas and actually like working them into either legitimate actions or into conversations about how to create action with my greater leadership team. That is and consistently has been the most effective thing to do. So it's like, yeah, there's a million ways, a million things to learn things that I actually continue to use are uh, and have been applicable are things like the coaching habit. Some of the stuff from Jonathan Raymond and, and refound I use can pretty more, cons- pretty more, more pretty consistently more. than others. A lot of ideas and principles from things that I'm into. I think maybe Chris is the same, but you know, I learned a lot and have learned a lot from Disney in the past and geez. Yeah. Never split the difference. It all comes down to man. I, it yeah, comes it's like down how, to, how do you want to use it? How are you passionate about using it? It comes down to building habits. Yeah, it's the same thing, showing up because again. Because what you've been doing is very, very powerful. Right. Right? Your body and your brain gets used to a certain thing. You're like, this is what I do. This is how I... Outside the scope of physical things, mental things too. Like, this is how I respond to this question. Let's right. say you're someone who responds to, to questions defensively. You You really have to... Slow down, take the time, and almost make it painful for yourself to be like, all right, I am going to change this. This is going to be my habit. And I don't try to apply too many things at once. That's no. where a lot of people have it go really, really wrong because the books are so rich. Just one book. You know, you've got a million ideas in there. And if you're the kind of person who reads a lot, you've got a never-ending scope of ideas. But there's no fucking way you're going to be able to apply mm-hmm. those all at once. And That'll cause people to just shut down. So pick one thing that you're going to change. Make it really, really clear and focus just on that. And I think some intentionality with only having one thing that you're going to change and focusing on building a new habit around that thing can help you actually apply some of these things. Yeah, it's pretty deep, right? Because you take like (laughs) prioritization of things in your life for one. And then, you know, for instance, I I made meditation like a a non- it's going to happen every day. Like it's a, well, wow, what's the word is that? I want to say non, non-negotiable. That was the one. Yeah. So straightforward. <laughs> it's non-negotiable, but until I realized, okay, I want to like, as I, I want to practice eliminating being stressed as much and some of the other positive things that come along with it. I had talked about doing it for like two years and had kind of done it, but then I was like, you know what? No, it's time to do this. And it's kind of important. One of the cool things I heard recently is, if you tell your, the more you tell yourself you're going to do something and you don't do it is, it means that you're essentially training yourself to not trust yourself. Interesting. <laughs> and so in the long run, if you are the person who says, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, and you never do, you've probably created the, the beginning of that whole problem is that you have begun to lie to yourself at a young enough age that that's habit. So you have to start, just like you said, Chris, one thing and say you're going to do it, and then see it through, and then do it again, and have grace with yourself in the process, but you have to, it's a, it's actually meditative to do that. The whole point is like, 
Meditation is just about failing and recognizing what you did, i.e. getting distracted and then returning. That's all it is. And it's, it's a big part of it. And so you're doing that every day and these other things, and that's how you create a habit. <laughs> Dr. Leo Marvin. <laughs> Baby steps. Baby <laughs> steps. <laughs> I thought that was a really powerful thing because I think we all do that. And anyway, yeah, I, it, you, you could unlock a whole podcast on how to take... Uh, other thing I guess I would say to do is write down all the stuff that you find interesting and important in books in some form of journal, and then you can set it aside and always come back to it so that you don't lose it forever. And make sure that you revisit those journals. If you're the kind of person who writes in all of them, keep them and, re- and go back to them because it might be the time to act on something that it wasn't the time to act on when you read the book. And I've definitely seen that multiple times in my mini career just at Cat and Cloud. That's pretty solid advice right there. You have a bank. You have a bank. Information bank. What do we have? Save we got time for uh, like one more probably. One, one more with a short, short little half hour podcast for you guys. It's gonna do it. Okay, this one's a big one though. What's the most important thing you need if you want to feed your culture and make it grow? The most important thing you need. Courage. So the <laughs> culture Man. Cul- culture is r- Okay. I need people, to like read that one yeah. again. So people talk about culture like it's this one thing. Like there's it's all oh, like this one thing that you do that's our culture. Like your culture is a, a collection of all of the actions that are made or taken by the collective whole. So there's there's a bunch of different ways that culture form. There's a bunch of different kinds of culture. And even if you start a culture, there's a bunch of different ways that that culture can get off track. Mm-hmm. So the the number one thing in well maybe this is one and two in my book are you need to have some sort of intentionality around your culture. Fuck yeah, and cul- culture needs to be driven by leadership, even though the culture is the sum total of all the actions your whole organization takes. It needs to be driven by leadership, and it needs to be done, driven, led, whatever whatever you want to call it. By example, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you say. It only matters what you do. Right. So I did that was okay. So I had two also and intention was the one of the two. So you crushed that one. And I think in my mind, I was putting the action with it, with that intention, right? Action and intention, but that's not the same thing. The other part is you have to be able to really explain why all of those intentions are impactful to the culture and why it matters. Mm. So yes, the actions basically say why it matters. So if, if, if you go in, like you said, and you use all these words and tell everybody exactly why it matters, but you don't have leaders acting that out, then it says that the leaders don't actually care about why it matters or they don't believe in why it matters. It doesn't really matter. What Insert whatever the reason is, they're not doing it. That could also be training, honestly. That could also be your ability to communicate why it matters. But at the end of the day, for me, it's the intention and being able to know exactly why that intention is there and how it greatly affects whatever the F you're out to do. Yeah. The why is a, is a, great, is a great example. I, I think there's – culture goes, goes super, super deep. And it, at any given time uh, – let's say you have an organization that doesn't have a strong leadership-driven culture – um, you could have a bunch of different things happening. You could have cultural shift. You could have cultural drift. You might. We've been 
places where there's there's three there's three different cultures, right? There's there's the there's the ownership culture, the leadership culture. Right. This is the culture of the people who own the company. Mm-hmm. Then there was the culture of say someone like us at the time, and yeah. we would be considered like the old, middle upper the management, old, middle upper management. But more than anything, we were we were like the old guard. So mm-hmm. right. there's we had an idea of what the business ab- was about that we believed. We mm-hmm. made it up on our heads because nobody told us otherwise. Sure. So we're like this is our version of of a perfect world. The ownership believes something else, and then there's the new guard which are kind of developing culture ad nauseum, again, mm-hmm. because there's no strong cultural connection. So you've got three different ships sailing in three different directions Right. that if that happens for long enough, it's going to end up pulling the organization apart, not necessarily bringing it down, but forcing some sort of massive change. Yeah. Or you, you're big enough to where you limp along at like a subpar existence yeah. for a long enough time. So there's there's... When different cultures are brewing inside an organization, it can it can be gnarly, and it, it'll alienate multiple groups of people at the same time. So the culture starts with you if you're in a position of power, and don't take it lightly. No, it's like absolutely insane how hard it is to actually maintain this. And here's here's why. And I'm currently, it's a big good conversation but it's a big reason why i've decided to put together more keynotes and we have uh, talked about it what happens in training is this like especially when you're going through a lot of it and i'm glad we are but you go through these trainings that actually have whys built into it but why for the person who is the operator of this training who's being taught how to do these things in the cafe is some it takes a back seat a lot of the times to like well what do i need to do to do the job well so what happens to a lot of the, especially new team members, and when your leadership maybe is spread thin for one, or or even just like there's not enough of them, or enough, you know, leader to team member ratio is, they go through these trainings and they get these people doing a really really good job, but what happens is it's not as important to remember why you're doing it. It's important to know what you need to do to get your job done and do a good job every day. And so while we have these amazing people who care. I actually am starting to empathize and understand that there needs to be a lot more culture. Like it's almost secondary training or like reinforcement of why, obviously through everyday actions, but those actions have to come with wording and verbiage that's authentic through the human being that's delivering those trainings to help reinforce the why for one. But there almost needs to be like a whole secondary training or like a secondary opportunity in a big setting to just talk about why everything you went through is important and how it affects the business in in multiple different ways. And so it's a current thing I'm walking through, we're walking through. I love it because I think it's gonna hu- it's gonna have huge impact. And it's I think maybe this uh possibly a missing link in a lot of people's businesses is you have your whys, but in order to operate, you don't need a why, you just need to know how to operate. And that's pretty natural for somebody who's young and new at business to fall into. You want the passion of people who want the why, but you don't always need the why to do a good job. You don't need the why to know, to learn how to make amazing coffee, do steam milk, give or pour latte kinds art, of service, or give specific stock kinds of service. appropriately clean. But it, it it brings people in to the bigger purpose yep. of the overall overall business, and, and with where our they fit. With, with our business specifically, it it helps tie together why all these different departments contribute to the greater mm-hmm. whole and why if you 
work as a barista on the floor, you don't operate in that vacuum. No, totally. Because we're in this really interesting, unique position to where through things like the podcast that we do, people come visit the cafe. Yeah. Right? So let's say someone comes and these things have happened. This is real shit. Someone comes and visits the cafe. Oh, I, I listened to your guys' podcast like on on the random. Like my friend told me about it, so I, I was I was driving to San Francisco and I made a detour to come over here all the time. So now they're in their head, they have an expectation mm-hmm. of what we are because they've listened to us basically talk it up. Yeah, and the people there can either meet the expectation or not. And you right. can do really good coffee without meeting the expectation that we've set because it's ridiculously high. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you can be really good and have people feel like, I don't know, it just didn't seem like all the magic that they were spitting out. Mm-hmm. Someone comes, has a good experience. They're, like, blown away. They go back home. They're like, wow, I can't, I can't even believe I had that experience. Guess what? My friend is actually opening a coffee bar. Yeah. I'm going to tell him about what you're doing. Tells him... We enter in a wholesale partnership. Right. They, they come to do some training. It's a, it's a spider. When you have an organization like this, it's a spider web of things. You, mm-hmm. No one's like just a barista. No. In the same way that Mark's not just helping out with wholesale. Like the whole thing allows us to do what we need to do. And yeah. I think that's really, it's important for people to know. And you can break down those whys on different levels. That's like a big scale. No, why. without but a there's, doubt. There's a ton of small scale whys. That are, that are going into it, too. And one of the biggest things on top of that that I believe is the ability for people to feel the opportunity to actually take ownership and progress their themselves and our entire organization and bring people with them. And for me, if we don't do a great job connecting the why at all the levels, which we really work hard on, and I think we do a pretty amazing job considering I'm just seeing what I see, which is, you know, opportunity to be better, you just... That's that's the way a business can progress. That's the way an organization can progress is when people believe that they can have an impact bigger than their job title and take the ownership to be the best and learn why it's important. And then they can essentially interdependently affect the business in like a huge scale. And I guess to sort of toot our own horns, we, we took the opportunity to do that before we were in any form of leadership. And that's a big indicator of how we got to where we are now is realizing we could make a bigger effect on an organization and a community and went for it because we believed in something. And I want to make sure that people in our company can do that too. I don't know. That's cool. Good talk. (laughs) (laughs) It's on my mind big time right now, though. I think it's a great place to end. You guys want to have a good day? Let's have a Friday meeting. We're going to go talk. Goodbye. Hope that's a semi-sufficient answer, because that's what you're getting today there. Freaking basil dial A,